Chapter One Jasmine was alone in the compartment, enjoying the first sight of Venice. Chapter One Jasmine was alone in the compartment, enjoying the first sight of Venice. In the distance, a train was calling slowly across the long bridge that connected the Isle of Venice to mainland of Italy. She saw bell towers and domes picked out in the deep beams of bright spotlights and reflected in the dark water lagoon. Only the towers and spears could be seen. The other buildings were mainly dark silhouettes, almost indistinguishable from the surrounding blackness of the night. Jasmine stood up and pulled down the top half of the train window. With no glass between her and the view, she could suddenly see a lot more. Only the lagoon refused to give up any more of its secrets. The water was so dark that anything could be hiding down there, and she wouldn't know. The interior of the carriage was still warm from the heat of the day. The wind on her face was cold. The train was inching toward the city, and Jasmine felt a shiver run down her spine. She saw more and more of it. There were street lights, one, each one illuminating a little more than a small patch of wall highway floor, but there were lights of oncoming platforms, station platforms, but beyond that there were only silhouettes of buildings against a starry sky. Less than twenty minutes later, Jasmine was lost among the dark masses of buildings. She had never been in a city without roads before, which is disconcerting enough, but this city seemed also to be also entirely without people. She stopped to look and the map displayed on her phone, and tried to work out where she was. Only one street of four seemed to have a name, and none of the names she read on the side of the buildings were the same as the ones on the map. The wheels of a suitcase grumbled noisily over the cobblestones behind her, as she picked a direction, almost at random. A blue dot marking a position suddenly jumped three streets as her app updated her position, based on her historic factors known only to itself. you lost as well, aren't you? She said to the small inanimate device. A figure appeared at the end of the alleyway, and Jasmine drew a breath to ask for directions, but then shut her mouth again. The figure was an old man, stooped and drunken, his growling infective at himself. Jasmine didn't understand his words. He said her tongue was pretty good, but the man's words were aren't her tongue weren't Italian, it was something else, a local Venetian, Venetian dialect. Jasmine guessed, but she didn't, may not have understood the dialect. The stream appeared to her, but the words the man was saying were bad words. She could, she put her head down and she ended walking, coming unconsciously close to the man in a narrow alleyway as he stumbled past her. She breathed a little sigh of relief as she emerged into yet another small square with yet another canal bisecting it. It's a simple stone bridge across, leaving Jasmine no option but to climb the steps, her suitcase banging each against each step as she went up. She reached the centre of the bridge, the apex, and was suddenly confronted by a wall of noise. It's a throaty roar of hundreds of voices. It's coming from a small runway on the other side of the small square. From where she was standing, at the highest point of the bridge, she could see that the way was short, and there was a huge open space beyond. The voices she she now saw were coming from a huge crowd of young people. They were drinking. Jasmine saw they were packed in so tight 
They're going to be difficult to make a way through the throng. Just men just stood there on the bridge, a phone in one hand, hand over suitcase in the other, a classic pose of lost tourists. Huge young woman with a black, super curly hair, and beyond her curls, a brown, dark brown eyes was shining with irritation. She descended into the alleyway and jumped, started pushing her way through the crowd. Hi, Jasmine said, begging somebody at random for the crowd and pre-offering pre- 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 her phone. I'm trying to find this address. Tristan's screen was typical of Venice. It was just two lines, the area of the city, the building number. I don't know it, the young woman she has chosen said with a shrug. I know it, said a, a woman said. It's nearby. Come with me. I'll show you where it is. Addie, the young lady, led her down. Was yet another one the phone app didn't recognise. So she just dropped it in a bag and forgot about it. She hurried her steps. Having to walk quickly to keep up with her guide, Jasmine followed her down alleyways under arches around turn after turn. But then the guide had gone. One moment she had been there, leading the way, and next Jasmine was on her own, a tiny dark alleyway. Halfway down the alleyway was a dark alleyway, gateway. There was a garden within that was obviously very overgrown. Even in darkness, the house was too dark and empty looking. It would be a building she was looking for. Her accommodation, she decided. It could be the building she was looking for. Her accommodation, she decided. She pulled out her phone and opened the map's application. It showed her location as a red dot. Address she had been given was a blue dot. They were pretty much, but not exactly, on top of each other. It started to look like the creepy old building was the place she was supposed to stay the night. She cursed softly to herself and pushed her face against the right on eight swells of the metal gate so she could get a better look inside. She saw a big house of three stories. She saw there were windows and roof above, hinting at some kind of attic space. But the place was completely dark. The windows had a touch of North African in the complex arches and chimneys. The bulbous tops of the Middle Ages. Building looked ancient, half derelict, but so did all the other buildings. She cursed gently to herself as she gave the butt handle the gate an experimental nudge. She jerked back in shock as the gate came slowly open on screeching hinges. She even more sure this is the right place now, otherwise. Surely the gate would have been locked. She stepped through the gate onto the short path that led across the garden to the front door. A suitcase still trundling noisily after her. She felt a wave of cold and neglect coming from the building. Just a huge crumbling pile of masonry, unloved and uncared for. She felt the damp radiating from the near ancient stones like the breath of a monster. She went up the small stone staircase to reach the front door. Her eye was immediately caught by a building, caught by a bull-headed door-knocker. He reminded her of something she had been reading on the long train ride. She had been reading about Agoras, king of Athens, the goat-man who gave his name to Agarin Sea. Agoras had engineered the death of the son, King Minos, who declared war on Athens and had agreed to end the war if Agoras would send seven young men and seven young women 
every nine years to greet the feed to the monitor. She shuddered and reached to the knocker, but her hand froze halfway where she heard a click. The door swung wide on, screaming hinges or obviously oiled just as frequently as the ones on the gate. Jasmine could see a calmness hallway with a lot high ceiling and a high chandelier. It was almost enormous. It was also an enormous window opposite the front door, dominating the far wall. By the light of the big window, she could dimly see the envelopes of the wall, wallpaper, the ornate carving of the furniture, but also dark, big black stains of mould and some tips and plaster. Toward the two doors led off from the massive hall on either side of them. Uh, a giant staircase led to the floors above. Jasmine took a step across the threshold. Hello, she yelled. Anyone home? No answer came. So Jasmine put her suitcase by the front door, walked further inside, yelling as she came. There was still no answer. And soon she was all the way across the hallway at a giant window. The view was magnificent. This house looked directly out into the canal. The waters that were actually le- leapt at the face of the building, which explained why everything felt so cold and damp. She hadn't seen any sign of life yet. She guessed she would have to investigate the building a bit more to see where everyone's hiding. She rapidly turned from her very through the huge window, and then she screamed long and loud. There was a single figure standing right in front of her in the dark, silent room. She managed to pitch, pitch her lips together and force herself to stop screaming. It had just been a shock. She got to get hold of herself. The figure in front of her wasn't a monstrous or an invitation. Quite the opposite. It was a young woman, no taller than Jasmine herself, a slim, slight even. There was something about the way the moonlight, though, for the window caught her face. There was a slimy, cold cast of the skin of the young woman in front of her. Or was it just raindrops reflected from the glass of the huge windows and made her face look weird? When, when had it started raining? Jasmine couldn't focus, couldn't bring the features of the woman in sharp relief. No matter how much she squinted into the half-light, she could hear her own heart thumping hard in her ears. Time to take charge of the situation. She thought she opened her mouth to speak, but the young woman spoke first. There's a presence and anger in the voice. Jasmine felt that, even though she couldn't understand the girl's raging fast Italian. She called a word to, but the sense of but not the sense of it. She just stood slack jawed, her mouth hanging open, but her mind was racing. The voice was dark and husky, almost dry. Jasmine thought the young woman looked like a rocker dressed in some sort of weird collection of dark vintage clothes. Shit, Jasmine hissed. The ugly word for involuntary is of what scream had been. The effect was instant. The moment the woman heard a single word of English, she stopped at mid-sentence, her eyes narrowing suspiciously. You are English? I knew once an Englishman, she said, but didn't go on to elaborate. Shit, Jasmine hissed again. Stuck of control of her own body, her own lips, Felt frightening. Who was this Englishman she was talking about? What has he some sort of? Was he some sort of some nutty expert who crossed her path? And what he had done to her? Why was Jasmine going to have to pay the price for his misdeeds? She briefly considered barging past the girl and making a run to the front door, but some aura, like a nasty smell, was emanating from the girl, blocking off all escape. 
brought you here? The girl asked. Jasmine had no idea what how to answer the question. She increasingly started to suspect that this wasn't her accommodation. I'm not sure who, what brought me, Jasmine said, and emphasised the last two words that felt strange, odd-fashioned in her mouth. But she thought again, thought how she had lost her guide, the one from one moment to the next. Blind chance, she said. Blind fate, the young woman corrected her. Jasmine had settled by the vehemence from which the young woman had just spoken. She wanted to get out of this creepy old mansion, but the girl looked up, that looked upset. It looked like she would have to try to calm her down, make sure she didn't feel the need to feel call the cops or something. My name is Jasmine. What's your name, Jasmine? Said falsely and smiled her face. I don't introduce myself to thieves or vagabonds or worse. Girl's eyes seemed to burn with indignation. Jasmine had heard of the expression, of course, but about eyes burning, but she had never seen what almost looked like actual flames in someone's eyes before. What's in your? What's is your purpose here? Are you going to call the cops? Jasmine asked. I just arrived. I don't want to get in trouble with the police. You should have considered that before in my centrum. Come on, Jasmine applauded, drawing the word out of her ad emphasis. For the last time the girl barked. What do you want here? I just wanted a place to stay. My crazy old professor gave me an address. This impossible find. I thought, I thought this address was this. That the address was this place. I'm sorry. Should have known it wasn't. It's a lacrid old building. The girl was visibly shaken by words. You think my house is strange? She asked. Does it look rotten to you? Not strange exactly, James Van said, and certainly not rotten exactly. Jasmine felt awful about her clumsy words, overcome her now by pure embarrassment, emotion strong enough to banish all fear. She was no longer frightened of the strange young woman, didn't care whether she called the police or not. She just wanted to make sure she didn't hurt the girl's feeling too badly. Go, the young woman said. Leave this place and go back to your goddamn lot. about got about got about life. Got about Jasmine couldn't resist a snort of reason, a trace of words. Although she knew it was rude, the girl's English was not was strange. Yes, the girl said, Cutabont, Hooligan, Rowdy. Someone make does um, faultless and damaging things that only minus pleasure. I think the word fits you very well. Jasmine didn't take any couldn't take it anymore. She dropped her head, pushed past the girl, and made the front door as she embarrassed and barrished trot. She's almost running out of time, she reached the door. She her face blushing red, but the door sl- but at the door she stopped, forcing herself to try one last time. For some reason she didn't leave this couldn't leave this bizarre stranger with the idea she's some strange thrill seeker who spent her time breaking the rich few houses for kids. Kicks. She turned. I'm not a good about. She said, "I don't know. Do I? Didn't I? Don't do this." You did it tonight, the young woman said. Yes, Jasmine admitted. Why? I, I thought this place was decrepit. No, Jasmine said. Oh, Jasmine. No, Jasmine always grumbled with frustration. Oh, it's a place I'm supposed to stay. Accommodation, you no. Know. This is my home, the young woman said. Both flourished her hand. Jasmine looked theatrical with a huge window behind her, making it a dark silhouette. I don't think anyone should live like this, Jasmine said, in the dark. Sometimes, the young woman said, it's unavoidable. Sometimes you just end up alone in the dark. Here is nothing to be done about it. Like I said, unavoidable.
It's never an unavoidable, Jasmine said. The smile she had forced into her face was still there. For though it was fading, she meant what she said. There was something Jasmine was convinced of. No matter how bad things got, you could always hang on here, in here in there and wait for things to get better. Sitting in the dark, feeling sorry for herself, was absolutely not the answer. Let me at least turn on the lights. That will alleviate the darkness, the young woman said. But what about loneliness? That's easy, Jasmine said, because in her spirits it was. Making friends was just wasn't the most natural thing in the world. She understood at all, at all how anyone could end up being lonely alone. She smiled, walked a little way back across the low way, and raised a hand for the young lady woman to shake. Let's be friends. I don't make friends of every wandering lunatic breaks into my house in their amusement, young woman said, and Jasmine was disappointed to see the mood hadn't softened one iota. Then something occurred to her. I didn't, but I didn't break in, Jasmine said. What do you mean? The young lady said, generally surprised. The door, the gate. Wasn't locked, Jasmine said. I just pushed him open. As Don paused, the girl stared at her. Some trick of light was catching her eyes, picking out them like numerous discs of internal carnival, wolf perhaps, or panther. You just pushed him open, one girl, the girl said pensively. You say you brought here by blind faith in moral science and two young women regarding each other. The stranger was still none some way away. Across the hall, silhouetted against a big window. If you if you don't make friends with Gadabouts, Jasmine spoke silence and words loud and confident. Who is it? Who do you make friends with? The girl hesitated to the answer. I make very few friends, she said. In my entire cursed existence on this earth, I even may have forgotten how to make friends. I find it. I find I have no earthly notion. Do you have a visiting card? Jasmine laughed out loud. She would be really beginning to enjoy this odd English woman's company. This young, old, young, old young woman's company. Where had this learned to speak English? A grammar, a book, a dictionary from the previous century or something? Probably from the shelves of some moldy old library. She doubtless hidden away in a house somewhere. No, she said calmly. No visiting card. Just call me... Tell me your name, and come over here and shake my hand. Jasmine still, still had her arm up, and she wiggled her head, lightly, beckoning the young woman to shake. The young woman stared at her hand, shy as a deer. She wanted to come and shake hands. Jasmine could sense it, but she didn't feel secure enough. Come on, don't leave me hanging, Jasmine said. She'd been holding her hand out so long, her arm was getting tired. It was working. The girl was coming closer, slowly, timidly, one step at a time. Then the girl had closed half the distance between them. She stopped, lifted her head proudly, put her hand, head to her breast, and immediately introduced herself. My name is Violetta Marquez Romanzia. Okay, mm, okay, Jasmine smiled. Would it be all right if I call you Violetta? Yes, she said, and then after pause. They would probably be best. I prefer if you not use my family name. Which of those, which was those was your family name? Jasmine meant it a joke, but could see by Violetta's raised elbow. She most judged it. Ignore me, she said. I've got a big mouth. She waggled her hand. 
and still hanging from waiting to be an hand trick. But her to raise the hand, and Jasmine could swear to feel Violet's hand approaching hers as she closed the final few steps that remained in between them. It was a wave of cold, like pins and needles, but mo- but made of darkness. My hand must be going to sleep, I thought, she thought, as they touched. My God, Jasmine helped. Your hands are freezing. Violet had smiled sheepishly. I was ashamed of the temperature of her hands. She was standing in the shaft of the light now, and Jasmine got hot first good looks of her. Her dark hair was unkept, hunched on her head, with no particular style, and held a place of big silver pins. She was wearing any makeup from her, so her skin was pale. She was thin, almost gaunt, with a pair of piercing green eyes, staring out of slightly shallow sockets. The clothes were in electric, which is a centric item from various upward knocks, half hidden by a dark, heavy cloak. Jasmine knew a thing or two about clothes, being a fan of various fashion blogs about fashion clothing. She could tell from the weight of the fabrics and detailing the clothes were expensive were new, but also spotted in in spurt patches and sewing. It was clear that Violetta was a little old bird which made Jasmine warm to her more. You, can, you can, cannot stay here, Violetta, said, releasing Jasmine's hand. Show me the address you were given. Violet was showing Jasmine the way to the address, a sheet of paper, and they crossed the large square. Again, it was a very full of people. You know, Violetta, Jasmine said, I could use a drink for the nurse, Violetta said, rising on her brow. Yes, exactly, Jasmine nodded. They should be in hurry to get back home. I have all night, Vanessa said. Most of these places still be closing soon. But it's a bar that is open later. Cafe Noir is nothing more than a disputable drinking den. Only a minute away, and Jasmine thought it was a cosy place, no matter what Violetta said about it. I suppose beams and brick and lemonade menus were expensive. Sensitive selection of snacks and drinks. It's not so bad, Jasmine said, glancing around, taking it all in. What do you? What is the way you're looking? Orange drink that everyone is drinking. It's called a Spitz Apple Lowe. Brianna Violetta told her it's sweet and it means it gets stronger. If it burns, to get us each one, if you like. Very much, Jasmine said. I would like that very, very, would very much like a. What do you call it? It was much later before Jasmine was last in the li- uh, in the little apartment that had been rented for her. It was just one small room, crammed with a small for a bed, a wardrobe, a kitchen, a washing machine, and it was always one. There was one tiny bedroom. It was just only big enough for her one person. But Jasmine made to discover it was absolutely massive terrace. Terrace was so big as the apartment itself. Well, she said, rushing out to the open air. This is your dress, I'm afraid, Violetta said, as she followed her into the dress. Tiny and dreadful, isn't it? Are you joking? Jasmine yelped. It's the best. This front looks out on Tiny Canal, and back has the terrace. It's wonderful. Wait here. Wait there. Jasmine rolled quickly, switching to the music app of her phone, and following the crook's girl a couple of glasses for red wine. Violetta brought her to the bar. Soon they were two half full glasses, resting the wall of the terrace, along with the bottle and scoop, cook school, freshly liberated cork still impaled upon it. 
first song on jazz playlist was coming from a phone in Miles, da- Miles Davis, a lonely trumpet, only just perceivable, coming softly from the phone's small speakers. Jasmine saw movement out of the corner of her eye, a neighbour closing the shutters of their apartment with months' windows. Then she noticed all the neighbouring windows' shutters were very were closed. Jasmine didn't understand it, but then the fire hazards cleaned. It was an Asian customer to close shutters at night. You must plunge the home into tired darkness, Jasmine said, aghast. It seems almost medieval to me. It's, it is medieval, of course, Vanetta said, and took a sip of wine. Excellent, she said. Dance is a tongue, quite discovered. Such an oldie bar. She's such a short silence. And then just the two young women, the wine and jazz. The invite again took Jasmine. You're quite the night owl, she said. A lot of people just go to bed. You're arriving in a strange city and having an adventure. I bet I'm a night. You bet I'm a night owl, Jasmine said. I think I'm going to like, uh, like having you as a friend, Violetta said. As those finally making a decision, the two young women clicked their glasses together. Two figures illuminated on the terrace, a tiny loft apartment above among looming shadows. It's the only oasis of warmth and light amid the shattered windows and dark, deep darkness of the surrounding city. Chapter 2. Despite her late night, Jasmine was up early. The sun had started to penetrate the bottom of Venice's narrow allies, but it was a pleasantly shaded and refracted version of sunlight. Jasmine shaded the screen of her phone. She made her way to her appointment at the university. Venice certainly was beautiful. Jasmine noticed as her eyes flickered from the map on the phone to the streets around her and back. As she walked through the streets, she was bustled and all, another side of what she was seeing. She was aware there was homelessness and begging in the streets, all mixed in with the halls of wealthy tourists and locals. She was extremely early, finding the university much more quickly and much more easily than she expected. She decided to kill a few minutes in the calf, so as not to be embarrassing early. She seemed like there were three calves in every street, which made it difficult to choose one. But soon she picked one that appealed to her and chose a table in the sun. When she ordered with the friendly Chinese lady, when she ordered with the friendly Chinese lady who worked there, a table in the sun, checking an e- uh, email and reading the online version of British newspapers, she lost track of time, had to pay and leave in a rush. The university, when she reached it, was a huge structure of raw concrete. Had someone been hidden by its architect along the back streets and alleyways of Venice? Jasmine hastily navigated through its corridors. was a few minutes late. By the time she found the office of the professor, she had sent to Venice to assist a woman named Professor Gamazon. Gamazon's office door was ajar, and she was at a desk. Jasmine saw her face. It was all hard angles. It had been chiselled and reading something on a laptop. Jasmine knocked on the door, popped her head into the room. He was seated by the desk. Jasmine could see the professor was tall and slim. Jasmine introduced herself. Was the general right? the professor asked. Not really, Jasmine replied. But it was my fault. I mixed my connection. Missed my connection. I didn't I didn't end up arriving to Venice until early midnight. The witch in Arrogasmine murmured. I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay, Jasmine said. How did you like the apartment we arranged for you, Jasmine asked. It took some finding, Jasmine said. 
with an involuntary smile, and made once again remember the adventure the night before. But I made a friend, and they helped me locate it in, in the end. Anyway, I've been sent to assist you. What is it you would like me to do? I'm not sure. I can tell you, ju- you just yet, Gamzell replied. Oh, Jasmine said, a little non-pos. Just I've been sent halfway across Europe, just to assist you. I'm not sure how much help I can be if you don't tell me what I need to do. Well, research is quite sensitive, Gamzell's mom said. I need help. I need someone I can trust. I need someone with right qualifications. I told you might have what I'm looking for, Jasmine Jasmine's own's voice trailed looked Jasmine up and down pensively. Then she glanced at the screen on the laptop and then back at Jasmine. I guess it's stupid to have you come all this way and then get all precious about my search. It would be a waste of not having you to do anything, Jasmine said. I suppose I could start you with something tangible or to do my, to my studies and see how you do. Great, Jasmine said. It's just boring search. Gasbo Mulder. No field work. We, we we all have to work our way up to that very slowly. For now, I need you to do some re- reading in the library for me. Okay, Jasmine said. What do you want me to read about? Ghosts. Gasbo said. Ghosts? Yes, Gasbo nodded. Like I said, I don't tell you too much. Can't tell you too much, but I'll tell you an important element of my search relationship. In ghost stories and society, the boo. You enjoy it. That's lots of juicy stuff. What your teeth into? Sink your teeth into? Jasmine corrected, then cursed herself. Why was she correcting the most, almost perfect English of a boss? You boss. Really? Sink like a ship, huh? Jasmine's expression was suddenly raising again. Praising again. She started, stared at Jasmine for a few seconds, approached a button on the laptop's keyboard. There was a printer in the corner of the room and softly ghosted out of a sheet of paper. Okay, Gesman said. Get the list of books. I'm here for a few hours. Pop them it, pop in when you finish in the library. And tell me how how you they are settling in. We'll do, Jasmine said. She awkwardly squeezed past Gesman to get to the printer and despite not wanting to she glanced at the computer screen over Jasmine and Gavon's shoulder. There were two clockbooks open on the desktop. One's a list of books Gasman had just printed. The other was a f- some kind of report. At the top was a, her own name, and below were blocks of text and headings like skills, qualifications, character, and most strangely, more fiber. Gasman closed the document, and Jasmine immediately started to wonder if she had been, if she had been de- right, re- if she read it right. It looked almost a bit like a resume, but she didn't think it was one she'd ever written. Library was just a few doors from Gabriel's office. Gabriel's office, but very strange shape. Both Gabriel's scummy hole and Kirby's library with some raw concrete walls. But the library was much bigger, much cold, much colder, and much more impersonal. It was a modernist temple of learning with long wooden reading tables and small metal shelves. She glanced at the list that on the printed for her, went over to some bookshelves relating oil history, dark privately printed books and Essays on folklore, a dark and musty box with incredulous on the clean, dusty, dust-free, beige metal shelving. She felt, left her finger wandered down along the spine, looking for the first book on the list. She found it, a large format back with an ornate design on the spine. Her fingers wrapped around the old leather. She found the book, took over, took, took the book over to one of the cold tables that leads for it. 
There were fifty stories collected within, and numerous essays about them. That there was also three or four books on the list that goes on, uh, given it her. So there's no way she could be expected to read it. All day, she supposed she was to use her intuition and decide what what among all the material right would be useful to Gazelon. Then she corrected herself. It was conceivable that Gazelon was entirely familiar with these books. She'd probably been tested to read them as told to read them as a test. Gazelon was not what she expected at all. She'd been hoping to find a friend of a new boss, but instead a woman. Cold and suspicious, but it had been cold and suspicious. Maybe she would fall, Jasmine decided. If she found some interesting new angle, the material she was given to read something Gasbion hadn't considered before. And the problem was that the book was nothing like she had ever read, as far as methodology went. There was only a short note explaining that the ghost books in the book, the reason in the book, had been collected by your anthropologists from among the fishing communities of Venice Lagoon. But as far from a definite writing as possible, the text to be, there's nothing to, for it though. She leaned one head, lowered one hand, hand to the door, and started con- concentrating. One of the books caught her eye, and she started reading. The book told of an old fishing boat operated by three fishermen. Joining them, first time in the night, was a young lad. Fisherman took the boat very far out the goon and carried out fishing long into the night. First time the young lad had been out fishing so late. The three older men noticed he was in ease and frightened. A rough old man found this hilarious. Still, he needed to get over to his severe at work, so there might be a bright, bright lantern at the front and back of the boat. Look, it's almost as bright as day, one of them said to the boy. The young man didn't, hadn't, hadn't re, wasn't reassured. He went and joined the men at the, outside the boat. Heather, we reached out to help them throw and it's in the water. They could see its hands were shaking. The trying calming. One of the men mentioned the horizon where the lights of the city of Venice could be seen in the distance. Look, they said, you can see the lights of the city. One of them is your bedroom window. We can't be very far from home, can we? Again, the boy wasn't very sure. He didn't stop shaking. He did stop shaking enough to help the others throw out the nets. And the night drove on and the boys began to relax a little. The chill and dust lifted over the sun had gone down. The long night itself wasn't as really as cold as but stories of old men were funny and they dad started to cheer up. Now again the fisherman took a small nip of some of a bottle with some fiery lemonade water drink they brought with them. Just a bit, one old man said. He passed the drink. A little bit will keep you awake. You can't drink too much till we reach the Oh, a little line and be safe for the night. We're not going straight to Venice, the boy asked. No, lad, we're too far out. We spend the night in our hut and head back at the first light. I mean, we left after that, depending on the catch. The shadows of the lagoon and blasts of wooden fences sunk in the mud to trap fish and snare them was good fishing, even when the tide was low. Each maze of fencing an island at the centre, and each island was a little hut built of cane and plaza of mud. Huts with nothing more than one square room, a door, and two windows. Each isolated hut with any structure visible from miles around, except for Venice itself, way off in the distance. In one of the little structures that fishermen tend to spend the night, but first they had to haul the nets. 
The kerchiefs were huge back in those days. It was needed all them working as a team to get nets into a boat. They all thawed and reached the freezing water together. Got a good, good hold of the nets together. They all hauled at once, spinning fish into the deck. A boat with one heave that sang traditional songs to keep the pace. It was warm work, even when freezing water splashing about their ears.